0: My name's Steve. Um, I'm married to Tammy, uh, and we help lead this thing uh, masquerading as a church. Um, This morning, uh, we are launching a brand new teaching series um, uh, that we're calling Multiply. And um, we're going to be looking at the life of an Old Testament character called Abraham. Now, that word multiply is... It's kind of a significant word to us as a church at the moment. It's something we feel that a word that God has at least given us in this season. And um, as we've been saying for a number of months now, that we believe God is inviting us to continue to be a growing, developing church. Um, But actually, we want to grow. We don't want to grow just through addition. um, But actually, there's an invitation to grow through multiplication, to continue to, to multiply. You know, throughout the scriptures, um, when God's hand is in something, multiplication uh, becomes the norm. We see this in the, in the very first chapter of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, um, God blesses the first human beings. And then, he, and then he says to them, he says, be fruitful and Multiply. And, and, and so we really believe God's hand uh, is on us as a church community at the moment, and he's inviting us as a church and as individuals to step into what it means to be people who multiply, that this idea that the kingdom of God is, is a multiplying kingdom, that it's, it grows and expands through multiplication. And so this is evident in a number of different things that are going on. In the life of our church. We, we've gone from having one fairly crowded service here on a Sunday morning and multiplied to two services here. And, and so you notice there are some empty seats around you for a change, uh, and you can get a seat and you don't feel cramped and all that things. That's a good thing, but we want those seats full. Uh, and, and that's why we've gone to two services, because we want to make room for other people to be here. We believe God wants to multiply us in that way. We also believe that... Um, that God is inviting us not just to grow in one place, uh, and that actually over the coming years, we feel a call and invitation from God to, to plant a number of other churches across our county. The first of those has already begun in Kettering. We start our, our first Kettering small group uh, this week, which will then launch uh, as a second location of our church. And so um, we, we really feel God is inviting us to be people... Who, who multiply. And so in this series, we're going to really go on a journey over the next couple of weeks looking at what characterizes a person who lives a life of multiplication. And as I say, we're going to look at this character, Abraham, to try and do this. Um, and so hopefully, we'll see that Abraham, you know, he, he walks a path of significance and multiplication, and uh, in many ways, you and I, we kind of get to walk that same path, no matter how young or old, Uh, no matter who we are, we get to enter into that same story, and in many ways, Abraham is one of the most important figures in human history. Uh, If you think about it, three of the major faiths, uh, which together account for more than half of our world's population, all looked to Abraham as the father of their faith. I, um, I reread the story of Abraham a few times over the summer. Uh, obviously, because we're teaching this series, you'll be glad to know I read um, about Abraham. But, um, so we, I, I just read through, and apart from the fact that it's a story of a very dysfunctional family, I don't know if you've read Um, Genesis uh, 12 through to 18 recently. But, you know, Abraham tries to give his wife away several times. I've tried. It doesn't work. She keeps coming back. Um, um, (laughs) But um, I'm only kidding. I'll pay for that later. Um, But, you know, he's this dysfunctional guy. And God takes the life of a dysfunctional human being and makes it worth something. (laughs) He, he, he puts him on a different path. He takes this flawed person and makes his life count for something more than what it was. And I guess in some ways, we all want our life to count for something. You know, we all want to have a life that's got meaning and purpose and direction. Um, you know, We, we don't want to get bored. Often we do get bored, don't we? But often uh, we don't necessarily want to get bored. I was bored the other day, and I came across this... Buzzfeed. Um, bizarre, bizarre things people do when they're bored. Um, I've got a couple of them to show you. I secretly give Photoshop makeovers to random people's selfies when I'm bored. I don't know if anybody with graphic design skills does that at all when you're bored. I don't. Um, the next one, when I'm bored, I send texts to random numbers saying I've hit the body, now what? Uh, <laughs> How many of you are going to try that this <laughs> afternoon? Um, and then the last one, this is just bizarre. When I'm bored, I put my head, uh, my hand, under hot water, then stick my head in the freezer and pretend I'm Elsa. <laughs> Sorry, hand in the freezer and pretend I'm Elsa. I, again, Disney has a lot to answer. Well, that's why Disney is demonic, I think. Um, um, uh, I'm kidding. We all love Disney. Um, but the truth is, we, we all, we all uh, live a life that we want, want to count for something. We all want life to mean something. And, and, and you know, Abraham, we'll discover, was a, a person who didn't go, go with the flow. You know, he stood against his family, society, and he redefined his future. He, he redefined where his future went. And see, Abraham was a man who lived a multiplied life. And he gives us a picture of how God wants us to live lives of multiplication, live lives of meaning and purpose and security and trust. Yet when his story starts, he literally has, has nothing. It's, it's almost like a tragic comedy. You know, Abraham is... Um, yeah, we get to the start of this story, and Abraham, is, he's actually known as Abram. And his name literally means father. But he's 75 years old. His wife is in her 60s, and she's been unable to have a child. He later goes on to be called Abraham, and that actually means father of many. It's like his life is, is this cruel joke. And, and so in many ways, all hope for Abraham and his family and all hope for the future has as diminished. And, and, and then we read Genesis 12, and verse 1, if you've got a Bible. And it says this, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, in the midst of a hopeless situation, God calls a man who barely knows who God is, a man who is childless, a man who has a wife who's unable to have children. And he, he says to him, I'm going I'm to make you a great nation of people. That from you, there's going to be this, this nation of people coming to being who worship and follow God and bless the whole earth through the knowledge of God. And you see, that promise that God made to Abraham is also a promise that we get to enter into. And you see, to make a, a long story short... Uh, one of the descendants of Abraham is Jesus. And and Jesus enters the world and he offers salvation to the whole world. Uh, And those of us who are in Jesus, those of us who are in Christ, have been commissioned to go and take his good news, take his story to all the families of the world. That's the task that we've been given. And and, and so the, the call that God placed on Abraham, not only does Jesus extend and fulfill and bring into being but we also get invited into it as well that we become part of the outcome of this story that we're reading about and so as we as we lean into this story and think about what multiplication looks like in our lives in our church community i want to start by just thinking about Three questions that might present themselves to us as we look at the life of this character, uh, Abraham. And, um, and, and so, the, the first question you know, if we're going to live lives of multiplication, if we're going to, you know, lean into what God has for us, the first question is, am I really following God? In other words, who's really in charge of my life, me or God? Who's in the driving seat? It's, um, it's kind of interesting to note that God commands Abraham, but initially, it's, it's an open-ended thing. Go to the land, and I'll show you later. God says, go, and Abraham says, where? And God says, I'll show you later. God says, I'm going to give you a son. Abraham says, how? And God says, I'll take care of it. Just trust me. John Calvin, the the famous reformer, he summarizes God's call to Abraham like this. He says, just close your eyes and take my hand. Isn't that great? You know, this summary of all that God wants to do, he's just saying to Abraham, just close your eyes and take my hand. And Abraham's like, but God, what about, or how about this? And he's like, Abraham, just close your eyes and take my hand. Just trust me. But if we're honest, we're not all that good at wanting to do that, are we? You know, when God says, just take my hand, you can trust me, we, 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 we don't always like to do that. You see, when we consider following God, when we consider surrendering um, ourselves to him, we want to know what God wants to make us do. Anybody else like that? You know, God speaking, but I want to know what it is. Because if I don't know, what if he makes me do something I don't want to do? What if he makes me be a missionary or something like that? Or, you know, what if, um, what if I end up moving to a certain part of town that I don't want to be in? Or, or what if the thing that God calls me to, actually it interferes? It becomes an inconvenience. It doesn't, it doesn't fit with my plan. You see, for many of us, we want to follow Jesus without getting out of the driving seat, but the reality is is that 's probably not possible it 's probably not a reality that 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 can 't happen. you see God isn 't some kind of onboard navigation system where he makes a few suggestions and you can take it or leave it i don 't know if you do this, but you know, um, in the olden days when satnavs didn't know where you were, I used to try and beat my satnav home. Anybody else have done that? You know, you can't. satnav says you're going to get home at 10. I'll be like, no, I'm not. 9:50. Um, you know, you try and beat it home, or, or the satnav says turn left, and you're like, no, I'm going straight over. Um, and what the satnav does is it recalculates because you haven't listened to it. It recalculates your journey, but actually, God doesn't. God doesn't function that way you know when when god invites us to come towards him he says it's my way this is this is it's my way this is the way i want you to go he doesn't sort of say oh if that's if that's not convenient to, to you i will recalibrate for you i'll i'll give you a different option you see when we when god invades our life it's total surrender on our our behalf we're the ones who are surrendering to him When we invite him into our lives, he's the one in the driving seat. He becomes the owner of the car. And you see, following God often means venturing into the unknown, not fully seeing the whole picture. And I guess the challenge is, is are we willing to say yes Give, our, give God our best yes without knowing what the outcome looks like. Without knowing exactly where it is He's He's gonna lead us to. Are we ready for that? Are we ready to follow regardless of the outcome? So that's the first question. Are, am I following? The second question is where is my security? You know, God wasn't calling Abraham to make God a, a part of his life as some sort of add-on or tweak to his morality. He was calling him to um, a whole new way of, of doing life. You know, in, in the cultural context for Abraham, his family, his land, his livestock, everything was what defined him as a person. And, and, and in reality of that, God says... Go from your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show show you. And so there's this reality that everything of who he is, his identity, his personhood, God's saying, leave behind. I guess the equivalent for us would be God telling us to walk away from our careers and everything we own. Anyone anyone up for that? Um, Just put it all down. And, And in many ways... God is inviting Abraham to put everything on the table. uh, To put everything on the table. And when he puts everything on the table, that's when we discover where our security lies. You see, following God is not just an add on to our lives, it's not just a a little tweak. It, It actually means surrendering to him, actually means giving him complete ownership and complete trust, trusting him for our future and trusting that when we take his hand and we let him lead us, actually everything is going to be okay. It's going to be okay. see, all of us have things that we depend on, don't we? Things that we place our security in. Most of the times, they're really good things, careers financial stability, education, family, they're all things that give us a sense of, of security. But when those good things um, that we, we can put our complete trust in um, kind of take precedent in our lives, there, there is this reality that we can miss the things that God invites us into because our security is found elsewhere. And, and, and so we can miss what God has to offer. And often trusting God, trusting God for multiplication, trusting that God's going to do more in our lives uh, beyond what he's done now, actually it means putting everything on the line. Putting everything back on the line and saying, okay, God, I've seen everything I've done so far and I'm going to risk it all for what's next. John Wimber, who was the the kind of founding leader of our family of churches, he he said this, he says, Remember, the economy of the kingdom is simple. Every time we come across a new threshold, it costs us everything we now have. Every new step may cost us reputation and security that we've gained up to this point. It may even cost us our whole lives. And you see, when we... When we choose to lean into what God's got for us next, it does cost us everything. We, we have to put it all on the line again and say, okay, God, it's over to you. Here's to the next chapter. Here's to the next thing. And you see, trusting God, trusting him for our security, trusting that you know he's in control uh, in the next season requires something, I believe, that, that means we, we need to Reassure ourselves and have a fresh revelation that God is good, that He's good, and He's good all of the time. In the in, in the, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, in the 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 um you know the series of stories by C.S. Lewis, and in the in the in the second book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, Susan is going to meet Aslan for the first time some of you might remember the scene and and she asks a very intuitive question she says is he safe is he safe this aslan is he safe and mr beaver he says of course he's not safe he's a lion but he says he is good you know he's he's a roaring lion but he's good and he's the king You see, the God that we follow is is almighty God. He's the creator of the universe. He's the one who has the power to give and take life. And yet we know he's good. He's good and he's always good. And so when God says, just close your eyes and take my hand, where do we find our security? You know, when, 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 God's, when God invites us to take a step into something we've never taken before, where do we find our security there? When God says, give, out of all the things I've given you, I want you to give this, where do we, where do we find our security? Do we trust him? Do we trust his goodness, that he's, he's going to be good. Yes, he's a roaring lion, but he's going to be good. He's good to us. And so do we trust him. And, you know, we see Abraham's response in, in, in verse 4. It says, Abram went as the Lord told him. You know, Abraham saw what was on offer, he saw the conditions of the offer, and he was obedient. He responded, and he went and did what the Lord said. And so what does that look like for us? What, does, what, what are the secure things that we put our security in that we need to let go of, perhaps? And then in verse 2, it says this. It says, I'll make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And as we read that, I think there's a third question Uh, For us us to ask is, do I believe the impossible is possible? You see, Abraham had to believe what seemed to be impossible. And he did that by acting upon it. He had to believe that God would keep his word. And because he believed, he had to do something. And at, at, at the right time, you know, he put on the aftershave... Slipped on some Marvin Gaye, and started a family. Uh, that's, that's how I envisioned it anyway. Um, <coughs> but he act he had to act upon it. You see, to follow God in whatever He's leading us into, we have to believe that He can deliver what He promises. <laughs> We have to believe that he will be faithful to what he said he would do. If he said he's going to multiply us in this area, we have to believe he will do it. And he will do it so that we can be the blessing he's called us to be. We have to believe that he will have the resources to take us into whatever he's calling us into next. And, and, and so we hold on to his promises. Even when it feels totally impossible. You know, that's very much the story of us as a as a church. We've, we've been here for the last 12 years or so. And literally, 12 years ago, there was, there was five adults and three preschoolers in a living room. You know, and we just had to trust. This is what God was telling us to do. Uh, and, and, and with all our insecurities and all the things that we'd given ourselves to, we had to give them up and say, okay, God, we're going to trust you. We're just going to take your hand in this. We're going to let you lead us. And, and, and it's kind, it kind of feels like we're now at another place like that as a church, that God has continued to grow us and develop us over those, over those times. But we're now entering into a season where God wants to multiply everything he's done. You know, I really believe that everything God has done in the last 12 years, he can do in the next two. That's what multiplication looks like, isn't it? Everything that God done over a period of time, he can multiply it as quick as he likes. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're going to two services. That's why we're stretching all our teams to the max. Because they have to listen to me preach twice on a Sunday morning. And, you know, they have to serve on different in different rotors and double up their time and all that because what we're doing is we're trying to plant some seed into something we want to see grow and flourish and become something more than what is is right now and so we need to remember that when God leads us and invites us into uh, multiplication it's always for the sake of others It's always for the sake of others. God tells Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to make your name great. You know, you're going to be the father of nations. But the net result is all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. You see, what God wants to do in us and through us, he's never just about us. What he wants to do in us... And through us, he's never just about us. That God has the ability to take our lives and and, um, lives that make a choice to fully surrender to him and follow him. And as we do that, he has this ability to multiply what we have. Not not so it just benefits us, but because it benefits other people as well. And so the little bit that we have, if you like, the little bit of seed that we have to sow, will always multiply and produce a harvest. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, he says this. And, you know, we read this passage and we always apply it to money, okay? I want to apply it to our lives, He says, he who supplies seed to the sower will supply and multiply your seed by sowing and increasing the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so there's this reality that the bit that we have and, and the response that we make has this ability to have a multiplying effect. That, that when we choose to spend our lives and the, the little bit of life that we have, when we choose to spend it under God's leading, then he has the power to multiply it. That, that more people get affected than we realise. That God can take one life and totally transform a whole bunch of others at the same time. That he can take our pain and our suffering and the things that we go through and, 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 and at the same time use that to bring multiplication and impact to a whole generation of people. See, God, nothing in God is wasted. You know, the good things of life and the bad things he uses for the multiplication of his kingdom. That's that's good news, isn't it? You know, because some of us have great things happen. Some of us have some less great things happen, but God wants to use it all to multiply his kingdom. And you see, Abraham's story kind of leaves us with two choices. I think the first choice is, is we we hold on to what we have and who we are, and we settle for. Mediocre, empty lives. So we could do that. that that's one choice. The other choice is, is that we, we offer with, without restriction to God what we have and, and who we are. And as a result, God see, fill our lives, but also fill the lives of others around us because of the choice we make. Because we choose to to spend ourselves in that way. That we want God to bless us. We want God to bless our church community. We want God to, to bless the lives of those that make up this church family. So that we can be a blessing. So that we can be a blessing to our city, to our county, to our region so that we can see God do far more than we could ever imagine.